Hello, my name is Kevin Shields and welcome to the Crack Trail Podcast, episode 20. This should be episode 25 or 26 at this stage, but I've yet again gone gone on about a six-week hiatus. I think when I did episode between 18, 17, 18 and 19, I think I had a huge gap between them. And the truth is just that I'm too fucking knackered these days. Uh, usually... After I'm done the work, I'll just come home and be like, ah, oh, yeah, I might record an episode now, and then I'll be like, oh, I'm too fucking knackered, and I might watch something. So at least I'm catching up on films, um, especially with buying them, because I think on my last episode, I mentioned that I bought just a fucking joke amount of films, and that has doubled. So I do, they're all actually sitting in front of me now, they're all out of order, though. I really need new shelves. I was just thinking that, because I'm full up both shelves but also the front part of the shelf is now full and taking over the second shelf now so i basically need two more shelves uh although i've been i've been trying to organize my room in such a way that i can fit them all i kind of have it set up nicely now but obviously not enough room but ideally i've I've been looking at some shelves i've seen some that are i can have them standing up properly which is the way i want it because i don't really like having them on their side even though they're easier to read that way it's just a fucking pain in the ass to take them out. So if I could get a giant fucking shelf that covers the entire wall. With all my movies being able to stand up properly. And enough room for the box sets and shit on top. That'd be ideal. But um, when that fucking happens I don't know. But as I said. Every time I fucking do an episode I end up going on a hiatus. So, and I keep making this promise which I keep not living up to. In that I'm going to continue to fucking do episodes each week. But I do feel like I will have a bit more time to do it now. So... I will, but the thing is, I now have six weeks worth of shit that I don't quite remember that I want to talk about. Um, mostly just things that have annoyed me in the industry. And to be honest, th- there was an episode I was going to do about a month ago um, where I was going to sit down and go, right, I'm going to talk about this and demand that people um, just boycott Disney in general. Um and I was going to say that nobody buy that Mulan film. Now this isn't to do with the politics of it. I only heard about that the other day and I don't care. The the, the thing that annoys me is just Disney's plan which they've rolled back on now. I think they were teasing this idea or it was leaked in some way. And when they realised that people weren't fucking happy with it. They started rolling it back being oh no we never said that. We're, 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 just, uh, we're just thinking of ways to expand or blah blah blah. And the idea was especially now that they've bought over Fox and they've bought over a few different things. That they were going to stop releasing movies physically. Uh, or doing any 4K passes and releasing them in their in their best way. And instead keeping them as an online subscription service thing. So all the movies that they've bought over now or that they have the rights to now. Were only going to be available through some sort of subscription service. Similar to Disney Plus or Netflix or any of them. And I thought that was a fucking disgrace. Uh, for many reasons. One you're cutting out the fucking physical media market which is better uh no matter how good your online stream is even if it's 4k it's still not quite as good as an actual 4k blu-ray or even just a regular blu-ray um it'll look fucking nice and it'd be nice to just fucking throw it on as a streaming thing they should have that as an option as well but they should be releasing this shit physically because otherwise really you're never going to own your fucking movies ever again if all the shit that comes out from Disney or Fox or any of them and they decide, okay, we're having it exclusive to a streaming service and there's a bird for you. Even if it's not a fucking streaming service, even if it's, 
like similar to uh, Ultraviolet or one of them where you just buy it online. And it's like, here's how you get your 4K film. Well, you're still not really owning it. You're, you're essentially just renting it. You're having access to your movie. You're buying access. You're not buying the movie. You're buying the access that they give. And they can do whatever the fuck they want with that too. They've already butchered shit that's gone on to Disney+. Plus. There was fucking, what was that film, Splash with the Mermaid. There's a part where she runs in to jump in the water. And it's innocent fucking nudity as well. It's not even sexualized at all. But they thought, well, we can't have her arse on screen in this, what, 12s or PG movie. So we'll digitally enhance her hair. So it goes all the way down past her arse. And it looks fucking ridiculous. And they've done they've also done shit to Star Wars as well. They've even fucked up more that scene with fucking uh, Hans and Greedo. Like, I don't know how you can fuck that up even more. But they found a way. Um... And it's, it's just a fucking disaster. Like, I mean, I know I get the convenience of it, but they have too much control over the end product and they're going to fuck things up. And in general, with these things, like, what the fuck is wrong with people in this whole thing of, like, trying to shield people from stuff? Say they just release that and you can see your fucking arse in it. If the kid turns around and starts asking questions, just fucking explain to him. Just go, yeah, it's a fucking mermaid. You don't, like, not everything... If you hide everything... If you have a movie with swears in it, like I remember, I was I, this is actually interesting because the, the new Bill and Ted movies online now. Uh, although I think it's coming to Irish cinemas uh, this month, next week, I think. Um, but I remember trying on Bill and Ted too, and I was about to go on a fucking mad one. Then I realised it was a uh, a repeat. So it was Comedy Central Extra, I think it was, and they were showing Bill and Ted Bogus Journey, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. And uh, I remember that film like the back of my hand. I loved it so much when I watched it as a kid. And there's a part in it, obviously because, as you know, words change over time. Fag has been used more derogatively, derogatively, I don't know how to say the word, lately. So any use in sort of media nowadays really fucking rubs people the wrong way. And there's a part in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey where they're quote unquote being killed. And before they're thrown off the top of this cliff, they basically say, oh no, don't kill us because oh, we love you. And then the two robot Bill and Ted's look at each other and go, fags, and then throw them off. And I remember watching that there on Comedy Central a few weeks ago, or no, more than a few weeks ago, a good few months ago, just a few minutes of it. And I was like, did they fucking cut that line out? Like, uh, has this become the new, like, they cut anything that involves blackface and all this nonsense, nonsense um, are they now cutting that out? I thought that's fucking ridiculous. Like that's pure nineties fucking humor. It turns out that when the ads came on during the show, they were ads for during the day. So they actually showed this during the day, and then repeated it at night. So it was the exact broadcast that went out. It wasn't like a, a different version of it. So I thought, okay, that's fair enough. They might have cut it during the day. But even still, what the fuck's the point in cutting these things? They're PG movies. They say fag, dick, shit, piss. They say just really basic, light swears that anyone really fucking says. But again, if they hear these words, talk to your kids. Don't just shield them from the word forever and then they hear it and don't know what to fucking do about it. If, you, if, a kid, if you're watching a movie and a kid hears a certain word, explain to them, say, here's why this word is bad and why you shouldn't use it. And even explain when the fucking film came out if you have to. Again, a lot of people are smarter than that. It's, it's again actually this happened with fucking Mad Men recently and it fucked up the way the episode played as well uh, this whole bullshit of putting these warnings in at the start of movies uh, adult movies as well which makes it all the more annoying 
um, to explain that the the ideas and stuff like that are reflective of the time. Like I said, we're gone with the wind. And for some reason, they had the fucking goonies in that. That, oh, this contains uh, outdated themes. Like, will you fuck off? It's a fucking 80s film. If you don't know what you're watching, you're a fucking idiot. But this was an episode of Mad Men. And there's a part in it that it was almost ruined early on. And it almost, it, it kind of changed the structure of the episode of how me and my friend were watching it. We were like, is this what it's going to be? Because at the start of it, this warning comes up that I hadn't seen before. Uh, at the start of Mad Men. And it says, this contains like offensive cultural stereotypes. Something like that. I thought, okay, there's a black housemaid in the show. And I spent the whole episode wondering... Is there going to be some sort of racial injustice thrown towards her? Then out of nowhere, in the episode, a guy has like full minstrel makeup on. He's doing a song and dance. And I was just like, oh shit, I didn't expect that at all. But the thing is, I wasn't watching that going, oh, this is extremely offensive. I, I wasn't expecting this to happen in a show set in the early 1960s. I wanted them to have a modern, progressive mindset from 60 years later. And... Like and I'm upset that I didn't get that while watching the show. It's like no, that whole show, pretty much just shows women as objects, and it just shows like chauvinism reigning supreme. And it's it, it's exactly what you expect. It's a show about ad men in the fucking sixties. If it didn't have that, if it just had all these ridiculous modern fucking progressive ideals put into something back then, you'd be there going, "What the fuck is this? This is not at all how it would have happened. This is unrealistic." Whereas this is realistic. Not only is it for adults, any sensible adult will see that scene of the Mr. Makeup and go, oh jeez, this guy's a fucking idiot, what is he at? And you'll understand that this is someone of the time who's out of touch, who doesn't know what the fuck they're at. But again, it's it's history. It's, it's just so fucking stupid how they apply these things. And the same applies for when you're, when you're showing something to your kids. If you see a movie with swearing or a bit of violence, talk to them. Don't just shield them from it forever. To the point that they just don't know how to fucking react or behave when they see or hear. Now I have no idea how I got onto this. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure where this started. But I think this is something that I just wanted to talk about anyway. Oh no I suppose it was to do with the, the, the whole censorship thing. And Disney Plus and all that. But my, my initial. I won't say plan. But my idea was to say. Anything involving Disney. Or that Disney own. Steal it. Torrent it. Download it. Do not pay for it. Don't give Disney a fucking cent of your money. Now they have retracted their little idea of only going digital with their further releases of classic four or classic movies in four K. But I don't know. I'd still keep them on the long finger. And my, my initial plan was to say, yeah, don't pay for Mulan. Don't. First of all, it's twenty fucking quid or whatever it is. Bullshit. Don't pay for that. Uh, just anyway. Uh, I know it's convenient to have it on Disney Plus and the kids might want to watch it, but yeah, just don't just don't give Disney any money. Fuck them. Until they start pulling their finger out and actually doing proper releases of stuff physically and treating the format properly, they can get fucked. If they're gonna just try essentially own your whole library, it's like it's like a mortgage on fucking movies. Like you're gonna have all these movies at your disposal, but any minute they can be fucking taken away from you if you don't pay up every fucking month. Like it's just it's bullshit. I think you should be able to physically own your movies all the time. Once you buy it, it's yours. It doesn't belong to the fucking streaming service you have it on. That's why, as much as I love Netflix and stuff like that, they are superb for fucking putting movies on your radar. I found movies on that that I never would have heard of before, and I watched them and I thought, this is fucking brilliant. And I had since gone on to buy them. Or it reminds me of classic movies that I've always loved, that I was like, shit, I haven't seen that for a while, and then I realised there's a Blu-ray of it and I can go get it. So it's great for all that stuff, and it's great for exploring and finding stuff, 
Uh, and again, I say this all the time, but anyone who says there's nothing on Netflix is a fucking idiot. There's so much on there. It's just you haven't expanded your fucking movie palette. So you just don't know what to fucking look for. But it's all there and it's all worth watching. Um, there also was a controversy uh, with Netflix over the last month uh, on a movie I haven't seen. But it's a new film which, as far as I know, did really well. It's a French film at Sundance. And I don't know how the French word says, like Mignons or Migions or something like that. I I don't even have it in front of me, so I can't say. But it's translated as cuties. And there's a massive backlash against this movie. And I can fully see why the backlash is there before people see it. Because the way Netflix marketed this movie is literally like it's fucking catnip for fucking pedophiles. It's a load of girls who are like 10 and 11 essentially twerking and posing on the cover suggestively. And I thought, why on earth would anyone make this? And why on earth would anyone fucking release this? Like, as I said, this is the type of shit that pedophiles would fucking thrive on. And then you have an issue. And this is something that pisses me off all the time. Whether it be in politics or anything else. But the film was released there on Friday. And... You had people who were review bombing it. They were going out and just giving it one star reviews and saying, fucking, oh, pedo bullshit. It's like, okay, I can see why it looks that way, but you hadn't watched the movie. And then you have people out there giving it five stars, no matter what, just saying, it's five, it's brilliant. It's not a pedo film. It's because you're racist and you don't want this. It's a black female director from uh, France saying, you don't want this film to succeed. And it just becomes this big bullshit of left and right of you going, you're giving a dishonest review and claiming it's racism. You're giving a dishonest review and saying it's paedophilia. When it comes to the paedophilia point of view, I can understand because like that post they wrote, even Netflix apologized and removed the poster saying, yeah, we don't know what we were fucking thinking. I don't know who designed that poster. Whoever did is a fucking weirdo. As far as I know, the movie is more, the, the, the plot of the movie is about this girl who grows up in a religious house and she just sees the way the world is portrayed through like pop music and shit like that and how all this like Nicki Minaj type people are basically are what peddled towards or what has peddled towards everyone uh, particularly teenagers and kids and she joins a dance crew that is kind of on that same wavelength and it's more just about I suppose the stuff that's fed to children and the stuff of how they're gonna grow up if this is what they have and a sort of coming of age rebellion thing and all this stuff and there's probably there's a lot going on there any review because I've, I've looked at a few reviews from, from just reliable people I know and they say it's actually quite a good film they can understand the backlash somewhat uh, because there's kind of weird suggestive stuff in it but again that reflects what this movie's about uh, but it seems that a lot of people are just going out of their way to hate it and a lot of people are going out of their way to love it apparently it's fine it's a grand film it's nothing amazing but this controversy is simultaneously making a break in it because all right it's like if you if you're one of those people who lives by ratings and stuff like indb it's like it's fucking it's got like 1.9 or something is what i saw that so it's been review bombed to shit um however this movie that probably would have fallen under the radar is now massive and a lot of people are watching it either to prove it wrong or fucking hell there's probably sinister reasons people are watching that film as well but i know a lot of people who are genuine who've watched it and said yeah it's fine it's nothing great it, they they understand that it's weird and why it would push buttons but when you actually know what the film's about and what's going on apparently it's fine 
it's just it just baffles me that and I, what makes me wonder was this an intention thing but it baffles me why someone would try promote a movie this way like if you see there's a there's a french poster for it with that the mignon i don't know how you say it i keep saying like filet filet mignon but i don't know what the fucking word is but the french poster for it is a bunch of girls just sitting on a wall like like it's any kind of fucking teenage movie something like i don't know fish tank or one of them but the one that they put on netflix is like some fucking weirdo design that and they need to be fucking looked into um and it has hurt the film it's definitely hurt the film now it's getting its views from the people who are actually willing to watch it but it's just a disaster that film is essentially fucked forever now and again people have been have been using the race card in terms of this director's career saying oh yeah you're racist and you just want to destroy her career like i don't believe that one bit i think whoever designed that poster and the tough subject matter would have heard it and she probably bounced back as well because it apparently was a success at sundance and it's been critically well received outside of the audience folk but realistically that movie's kind of fucked now like no matter what it's always going to be remembered for this very few people will on certain sides will watch it now because they believe this is what it's about and most reviews any review kind of perfect or terrible you can't really trust because there's an ulterior motive behind those reviews it isn't an honest review. And it's like you see the same thing happen with a movie I watched, uh, which I think I'll review now. I usually kind of save reviews to the end, but I kind of want to talk about it now because I know Vince Vaughn uh, is disliked by the people who decide your fate online. But Vince Vaughn is a Republican, so immediately people decide that Vince Vaughn films are now bad films, and especially now that he's worked with S. Craig Zahler, who writes Marley Ambiguous Characters. And has cast Mel Gibson with him. And people hate Mel Gibson now as well. So. There's a lot of things stacked against Vince Vaughn. And I actually think this kind of went against him. In this movie. Uh, even though he's not even the lead. But I think immediately it, it rubs people up the wrong way. Now the, I will say straight off the bat. The film is miles from perfect. Uh, but it's a new movie called The Binge. Which was made for Hulu. Which is a streaming service in America. Uh, though if you have a VPN you can get fucking anything and the basic idea of it is a version of The Purge but it's with drugs so now I, I will say I hate The Purge movies they're all fucking terrible and everyone says oh from the second one it gets way better no it was shit even Frank Grillo who I fucking really like couldn't save those movies dog shit and after I saw the fourth one I thought I actually cannot do another Purge film so I didn't watch the series. I, know, I think there's another Purge film on the way. I'm not going to watch it. I've actually just given up 100% on how trash those fucking films are. But my point is this movie takes that basic idea of The Purge. And instead of it being that murder has gotten so out of control. That they've now decided to put a complete like or lockdown on any crime. Uh, except for one day a year where people can just release all this tension and be like, alright, for one day a year you can murder, you can rape, you can rob, you can steal, you can kill, you can do whatever the fuck you want, although most of those are the same thing. Um, you can just do whatever the fuck you like for a day and then everything goes back to normal the next day. Massively fucking flawed um, and very fucking stupid. Uh, particularly one of the films where it's like someone's about to be killed in a machete and then the alarm goes off to say that the purge is over. And they just go up. Oh, and they just walk away. I'm like what's stopping you burying that machete in their head. One second after the fucking time's gone off. It's like no one's going to fucking know. Stupid. Um, 
but the point is that this is a case where drugs and alcohol and smoking and everything has just gotten so out of control. Like it's, I think it's set in twenty, it's either twenty twenty seven or twenty thirty five. I saw two different dates in the film, so I don't know which it is. Um, but it's gotten so out of control, and the whole drunk meme culture and all this that they've decided, right, we're gonna outlaw all drugs, cigarettes, alcohol, everything. And one night a year, so it's like from 8pm until 9pm the next day, something like that. Uh, it's all legal, you can have a big session, you can do whatever the fuck you want. So you're following these three high school kids who are like, there's going to be this big party, they're all 18 now. Apparently it's weird because it's in America, it's like, oh, once you turn 18 you can do this. It's like, yeah, that should be the fucking law anyway. But over there it's 21, which is baffling. But... They're all 18 now. They just finished school. It's like the final day of summer. That kind of shite. And the prom's around the corner. And he wants to ask this girl to prom. And it's actually your man. I don't know his fucking name. But he's a... Uh, he plays the son in Righteous Gemstones. And he's actually quite good. He kind of reminds me of David Faustino in a certain way. But... It's about him and his mates. They're just trying to get to this big party. Where it's all going to be crazy. And whatever else. And to be honest, oh, I'm sorry, the, the girl he loves is the principal's daughter, and the principal is played by Vince Vaughn, who steals this entire movie. He's fucking hilarious in it. And apparently he improvised all his lines, and that goes to show, because he's a funny cunt. But the general plot of this movie is they're trying to get all the drugs, and then head to prom, or sorry, head to this fucking big party, and he's going to ask her to prom, and it's kind of, there's absolutely nothing new to that aspect of it. To be honest, this could have just been, there's a big party tonight at the end of school. There's no real reason for this binge idea. Especially because the streets don't seem littered with people on the piss or anything like that. It just seems like this really small group. So, the idea of it being a binge is kind of a waste. Uh, I think they could have made this an absolute fucking mental film. Where it's like, it's going to be a mental rager and people are in the streets shit face. Because the whole idea is that, most other laws are actually still in place. So you can just drink, but like, you don't be doing anything with it. Like, there's, you can't have a too mad a session because, like, well, if you break that, that's criminal damage, you'll get arrested for it. So it's kind of everything's held back, but it should be that all crime and alcohol is legal, except, well, I don't know the best way to write around that. Make, make certain things legal that wouldn't normally be. It doesn't have to be murder and like that, but like, you can fucking graffiti and do all kinds of shit like what does not physical damage to someone else or some shit like that just so you can bump up the crazy a little bit because really this is a by the numbers as normal as you can fucking get kind of high school comedy just with this little concept thrown on top which isn't utilized there's a a strange musical number in it which is kind of fascinating it's very well done and <laughs> very catchy and all this this is a bit out of place and there are some kind of mad scenes of drugs and whatever else but it's, it's it doesn't reach the highs it should pun very much intended. Um, but Vince Vaughn's brilliant in it. But I, I, I've seen people talking about it as being like, why would you get Vince Vaughn for this movie? As if like, it makes any fucking difference. It's like, because he's a good actor and he's very funny and he saved the movie. And the movie isn't well received at all. Now, there are, as I said, legit reasons for that because it does have its flaws. I just listed them there. But I did enjoy it. But this is the same as anything else. Once, once an actor's in something, you just can't trust... The reviews that are come, gonna come for it because people are just gonna always be after it. And look at fucking Robert Pattinson, who is now reviled now, or is reviled the world? Word? Jesus, my fucking head has gone to shit. He's he's brilliant now. I can't, I don't know whether if, if reviled. I think reviled is a bad word. <laughs> I just can't think of it. But everyone loves Robert Pattinson now, and they should because he's brilliant. But there's still gonna be people out there who are gonna be whinging that he's a sparkly vampire. And 
it shows that they don't have any real care for the film itself. They just want reasons to not like it because of who's in it. No, actually, no, sorry, that's that's the wrong way to put that because there are movies I, I probably wouldn't watch because fucking Taylor Kitsch is in them. But it's a case of they have something against this actor for something personal in their life or whatever and they're going to go, right, I immediately don't like this film because they're in it and we're going to fucking review bomb it. And it just does my fucking head in. Now, The Binge probably isn't the best example of that because it's by no means a fantastic film. It's a bit of fun for, what, 98 minutes. But it just goes to show, like, if, if Vince Vaughn's in it, people are immediately going to be have their backs up or if, if fucking, what's his face, Mel Gibson or if S. Craig Zahler's behind it, people are just going to go in immediately deciding this film is bad for this reason. And it's very annoying. And it's why you just can't trust fucking people at all. Because very few of the big reviewers out there, or even just the fucking people anyway, you see on these fucking sites, they're not reviewing the film. They're reviewing, or like they're not reviewing like their enjoyment of the film. They're just going in deciding certain things need to be checked in order for them to like it. And it's like, you shouldn't be allowed near fucking movies to review them. You don't know what you're talking about. And it's kind of, it's somewhat ironic because I've been saying this forever that never trust reviewers. And I say this as someone who reviews things all the time. Don't trust me either. Just, I I like to consider myself as a type of guide in that I see something that I think is good or bad. I'm like, I wouldn't watch it. I think it's shit. Don't bother. By all means, watch it if you fucking want to. But that's just what I think of it. It doesn't matter. I'm just letting people know what I think of something. It's not the be all end all. But the way the internet runs things now. It is the be all end all. And if your film is badly received. Even if it kind of gets a little bounce back a few years later. It's still going to be evil in the eyes of the fucking internet. So there's no winning. Just get your mind off the internet. And just fucking just watch what's good. And promote what's good. I'm probably talking bollocks. Because I'm very fucking tired. But still. Um, this likely ties into something that was news that just came out recently and I I couldn't believe my fucking eyes when I read this shite but the Oscars have now put in place certain rules for what would be eligible for a best picture award now the Oscars have been a farce for a very fucking long time now uh I've even gone as far as not watching them one of the years because I was like, this is such a fucking joke. I did watch last year's one, mostly on in the background while I played Doom, but it was nice to see them give a bit of recognition to fucking Bong Joon-ho and Parasite got its fucking award. And it goes to show how stupid the foreign category is. It's like, okay, you should abolish that now. You should just have anything eligible for Best Picture. Um, But it's the, it's the idea that Best Picture now has to have certain representations or uh, diversity and all this kind of shit and it's like well no it really depends on what the fucking story is and if you think about it some of the movies that have won best picture like i mean look at something like jaws all right jaws is renowned worldwide maybe that was the word i was trying to use at robert pattinson a minute, a minute ago not reviled renowned um yeah i think that's it but everybody loves jaws but you could argue in the modern idea of diversification in movies that it doesn't suit that so does that mean as amazing as it is and deserving of best picture oh i can't get it now because oh it's not diverse enough 
Would you get your fucking head out of your arse and stop policing the way fucking movies should be? And think, think about Moonlight. Someone made this point as well. Moonlight's not very diverse, if you think about that. So it, it really depends on what your meaning of the word diverse is. Because that could mean fucking anything. So you, you're going to have to have a checklist of stuff that your movie has to qualify for to be best picture. Oh, it has a message. Okay, it's about the best film. It doesn't fucking matter about the diversity or whatever's going on. If you're doing a movie set in like French fucking Middle Ages or something years ago, you can't just throw in a lot of diversification just for the sake of going, oh, look how good we are, we've checked all these boxes, now we're eligible for Best Picture. Would you fuck off? It should be what the best film is. And that should be the only fucking thing. People will argue against this, again, because, mostly because they're stupid, but they're not thinking. Like, why Why do you watch films in the first place? Do you watch films to see an amazing story told to you in a medium that you feel like you're there and you're experiencing it? Because that's what it fucking should be. That's the whole point of it. It shouldn't be there to just go, oh, here's the things that yeah, you think the world should be like. Well, here's a movie that just shows that happening just so you can feel good about yourself for a minute. Go, oh, here's here's some diversity in this movie. Uh, it, it hit all them boxes. Therefore, it is now a good movie. I am satisfied. Who wants to sit down and just watch shit like that all day? Box checking. Bullshit. You want to sit down and you want to fucking pick a genre. You want to pick a comedy? Right. I want to laugh. I want something silly or outrageous to happen to allow me to laugh. And there should be no barrier on that. You can't just sit down and go, oh, I want something really funny to happen. Once it's not something that upsets me, it can upset anyone else, but not me. I want to be able to enjoy this. Or if it upsets someone I care about, then I have to fucking do a song and dance and piss and squeal about it until fucking the movie gets in trouble. It's like, no. It should be about saying outrageous, fun, crazy things, depending on the comedy, and getting a laugh that way. When you see something absurd, for instance, that, that minstrel blackface thing from Mad Men, when I saw that, we started laughing. We were like, holy shit. Like, because it's so outrageous. It's so silly. We didn't have to go stone-faced and go, oh, God, I can't laugh at this. This is so upsetting. I can't believe they do this. Anyone who does that is a dreary, boring, annoying cunt and doesn't deserve a second of your fucking time. If I want to watch a thriller, I want to be invested in a story and thrilled. I want to think like, oh, shit, this character that I'm now attached to, that I've been introduced to, could be in trouble. I hope that nothing bad happens to them. That's that's what you want. You want the excitement of that. You don't want to go in there just going, mm, oh, there's only three black people in this scene. There should be five uh, to make the diversity quota up. No. Watch the story for the plot. It doesn't matter. I, I You can relate to any movie if you fucking try. It, it just, oh, it fucking shatters my head and it just goes to show that the Oscars is a fucking joke so imagine okay imagine some movie it's not shite but it's not great some alright movie but full of diversity pushing all this and then you have an amazing absolutely spellbinding sci-fi film which is entirely about this character's struggle with fucking existentialism and all this and amazing cinematography fucking practical effects visual effects everything it just has everything that should make for a movie that'll just spellbind you but it doesn't check check all these little boxes you don't have a gay character in it and it's not accurately representing a, a certain type of people it's just following these characters in a daily routine in space whatever the fuck it's about it's fun fascinating amazing that movie's not eligible 
They go, oh, no, no, we can't select that one. Even though it's amazing. We're aware it's an amazing film. But it doesn't check all these boxes. So we're going to give it to this movie. This okay movie that, that plays ball and just checks all the boxes. Get the fuck out of my face. Where is the, the fucking... The balls with these fucking movies. Like, where are movies that are just going to go, no, here's the story, here's what happens. This lead character, he's a piece of shit. And you're going to fucking stay in the story with him. And that's that. Instead, of, they just go, oh, we need to have this character turn around. Everybody has to be happy and really good. You're treating adults like children. And it's the same thing. It's like, you see people, they'll see a movie with a bad character in it. And they'll behave like a child. They'll go, but hang on, he's the bad guy. Why did he get away with this? And they won't know how to deal with it. They won't be able to just see a story and go, oh, fantastic. That was a good film. It's like a child. They just, they want to be shielded. Or sorry, you want to shield them from any kind of reality in life. And just say, look, everything is good. Everything worked out. Oh, it just, it melts my head. And it's been pissing me off for the last fucking few weeks. And on top of the Disney thing, there's just, it's, it's two things I wanted to mention. Just how fucking stupid the industry is. How they never learn. This is the thing that baffles me. And how uh, anything they do, I should say, learn. They're not really learning anything. They're just shattering their brains. But anything they do, adapt. They're doing it to suit such a small minority of people. People out there who just whinge and complain and say, this movie did this and I'm upset. You could have 100 million people say, this film was fantastic. It blew me away. It was emotionally engaging and fantastic characters, brilliant writing, serious cinematography, all this. But one person goes, it was very bad representation of this. Then instead of just going here, we don't give a bollocks. It's a movie. Here's what the story was. Here's what the story was created and given to us. They just go, oh, we better we better backpedal just to suit you. Very small group of people who are upset by this. Who gives a fuck, by the way? Who gives a shit if someone's upset by it? It's never mattered before. And suddenly now it can make or break a movie or a company or a distributor or a streaming service it baffles me you're giving people way too much fucking power there's not enough of you saying when you fuck off you don't matter a single bit someone who goes out there and whinges about a film doing something is a twat and again it sounds ironic because it's what i fucking do for movies online but i'm not going out there campaigning against movies i'm not going to watch a movie that offended me because there's like an Irish stereotype in it and go remove that movie I don't want anyone else to see it it's like no you don't watch it that's all it fucking takes you don't watch it and the the fact the Academy have gone along with this and I'm gonna I'm gonna be very fucking upset with any celebrity that endorses this too any real director who cares about what they do that's why I think Scorsese will look at that and go get fucked and Tarantino as well and any director worth his shit will fucking say what a lot of bullshit. But anyone that kind of stands out there. And fucking. Like, it's like. Oh it's like those people who did the Imagine video. Like celebrities like that. Who are just desperate for attention. When they don't have it for a fucking second. Or are coming out there going. I'm putting myself to a cause. Because look how good I am. Get fucked. Any of them. I'm going to be very upset when I'm going to go. You are a director. You are supposed to. Not only break all rules. When it comes to movies. But you are supposed to have. Complete freedom. And not box yourself into a corner just to appease a small academy. I think actors who... Now, in fairness, if the movie's made and it happens to check them boxes, like it's disappointing, but like I can't really fault the actor. But any actor who supports it and says, oh yeah, we need to have these as best picture movies. They're the only ones. You're an idiot. You're an actual idiot. And you're an embarrassment to the profession. Simple as that. Oh. 
I'm gonna stop complaining for a while because I think I think my last episode I spent about fucking fifty minutes just complaining about how cunty all this stuff is, but it's true. All this stuff pisses me off, and it has pissed me off for ages. Um, I suppose I'm just trying to remember all the the other news points. I should really be making notes because when I was actually starting this out, not necessarily that I'd make notes, but I'd fucking if I bought or sorry no not if I bought. If I saw something pop up, I go, "Oh yeah, I'll mention that and whatever else." But I haven't done that in a while, so I'm trying to remember all these things. But fucking hell, like the fact we're still in a day and age where censorship is so strong, and where insane quotas are being brought into movies, like it, it's nuts. It's like the fucking Hayes Code, or was it the Hayes Code? I think it was the Hayes Code, where it's like all these certain rules, or like a more extreme version of the Dogma ninety five thing, which was a movement i think it was scandinavia or like netherlands dutch some shit like that but a bunch of directors got together lars von trier is among them uh and thomas vinterberg who did the hunt uh he, he did the first uh, uh first dogma movie uh and it was this movement where it was like well, we're gonna do movies that are dramas where you don't have a killer or people being killed you don't have uh, any lighting rigs the whole movie has to be shot on a video camera uh and onboard sound and all this stuff and they, they had all these rules for it uh which were often broken by these directors like you're not allowed to use boom poles and shit like that but the first movie did was called festin and it's uh it's not one i've actually watched yet i've seen bits of it and what i've seen i've loved and i like Vinterberg anyway but all these movies were given these set of rules even though they broke the rules they were given these set of rules and it was something interesting and experimental and new but imagine if those rules that someone came up with were just forced in as this is the new norm if you want to be considered for the best picture. You have to follow these rules. So you'd have Tarantino there, who's adamant about shooting on film. He's like, okay, the only way I can get recognition at this fucking bullshit ceremony is if I go against all my principles and shoot on video without any lighting rigs without any violence which he's known for as well he'd have to completely reshape his whole structure being able to make movies and it's it's boxing him it's ruining his creativity now if you are interested in the dogma movement and you want to do something like i sound like an advertisement here but if you want to do something like that fine if you want to give yourself that little those parameters and say i want to see what i can put creatively with these parameters fine but it shouldn't be forced on you it should be a choice and the fact that this is being forced on people is fucking bananas and i hope it's laughed off i hope all i hope all these directors stand together and say you are shitting on creativity go fuck yourselves you're an embarrassment your award is worth less than the fucking paper i wipe my ass with get fucked that's what they should do that's what i have a lot of respect for if they did do that so let's all cross our fucking fingers and hope that they actually do something like that and stop being such fucking wieners so Yet again, I mean, I talk about this all the time. I haven't brought up Cersei yet, but I will just to piss off Joe because he's a fucking cunt. But uh, <laughs> he might think that's real. I was very honest in how I said that. Um, but no, just when it comes to censorship, when it comes to just this bullshit and all this rulemaking and structures, it's always going to annoy me. It's always going to be something I won't be able to prevent myself talking about. But I am going to move on. I'm going to quickly... I suppose I want to recap all the fucking movies I got because I bought a joke amount of fucking movies over the last while um and i have i have them all in front of me here but like i i don't i don't think i even have time to talk about them i had considered this 
Uh, and if anyone is interested in this, please do tell me because I would actually wouldn't mind doing it. But doing a video for YouTube where I go through my entire collection, talking about each set and the movie or whatever else. Like it would probably go on for fucking ages. I'd have to edit it down or whatever. But yeah, I'd go through my entire collection, talk about all the movies I have, rather than just list them off like I'm gonna do now because I will not have time to fucking talk about all of them because I have bought. Well, you're gonna hear now just the 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 amount that I bought. Now I actually don't remember the last time I talked about movies I got. That's the thing, cause I ordered a shitload when I was isolating, and I think I did only two episodes since then. So I may have talked about some, but I'm gonna talk about what I can <laughs> or what I can remember uh, not talking about for the last while. And I know there's more to it too. Um, and very annoyingly, I will mention this that I've ordered. I got a shitload of the premium collection from HMV. And one of them hasn't arrived yet. I've ordered the hunger, and now it's out of print on their site. So it better not be out of print before they fucking send it to me, because I already fucking bought and paid for the cunting thing. Um, and I am waiting for some four K stuff from Zavi. They had a four K sale recently, and I got two of them arrived so far. I got Arrival, conveniently titled, uh, and The Revenant. Now I've already spoken before about four K and how I'm not going to be getting a lot of them. And that's mostly because while there is a difference there and the HDR is nice and all, like a lot of the time it is the same image, it's just on a bigger disc. And it can look amazing. Like there's certain movies I will happily go out and get 4K. Like all this the Jackie Chan stuff, let's say, that's coming out from 88 films or Sopranos or fucking most of the LAD films that I got, which I'm going to list off a lot now. I'm more than happy to have on Blu-ray. Uh, I don't need them on 4K, but... Stuff like Arrival, I want on 4K. Revenant, I want on 4K. I've ordered The Matrix, which is one of the best 4Ks out there. I've also got 1917 coming, which is one of the best. And Dunkirk, which I love anyway. And I wanted to get the 4K because I prefer the artwork. But that apparently is what people consider to be probably the best 4K Blu-ray out there. It's, it's the one people would say they would demo 4K to people just to be like, this is what it's capable of. It's meant to be that good. So, stuff like that again. And once upon a time in Hollywood... Uh, I got mostly for the black box. But yeah it looks lovely in 4K. And obviously 2001 A Space Odyssey. And Blade Runner 2049. So I want seriously good visual strong movies for 4K. Not everything needs it. Um, but yeah I'm going to just do a quick rundown of the fucking movies I got. Now I will say a lot of these. A majority of these are Owlad films. Um, which did I. I don't know if I ever went in explaining. I think I've just talked about how I'm going to dedicate an episode to them. But I suppose I'll talk about what to me. An Owlad film is. So the way I'd. Describe. An Owlad film is. It's a very specific. I don't know you call it a genre. I'd consider it a genre. And I think I'm. I, again don't know whether I mentioned this the last time. I could have just mentioned Because I upload all the, the movies I buy to, to Instagram. And I mentioned this. I'd love to just set up. A fucking distribution company called Owlad Films. And just release all... Now, in fairness, Eureka have released 99.9% of the movies I want. But I don't even make slips for them. I make my own little slip label for people that might want them for their editions as well. Of just pure Owlad cinema. Now, these are movies that... Uh, you'd probably have to have been my age to kind of understand this. Because it'd probably be less frequent now with, with new children. Uh, <laughs> but... Basically, if you've grown up around the time I did it, they're movies that would have been on on Sundays, mostly, at about 1pm. And they're just proper, good quality, often macho, 
savage fucking movies that are usually war movies westerns um like film noir capers and things like that stuff that would just be on at that time usually without lad protagonists but like movies that your dad and stuff would love and quite often they're they're old westerns they just have really good good versus evil ideas or like the way i've described them are the the outlad after dark ones which are movies that wouldn't be on till a bit later they're a bit more violent a bit more gritty and things like that um but like i'm trying to think of some good examples even though i have a million in front of me here but like kelly's heroes something like that that's a pure outlad film or like the dollars trilogy stuff like that like tough clint eastwood movies Charles bronson movies Movies with fucking like George Kennedy in them and all like war movies like uh, fucking what's it called Guns and Navarone stuff like that where they're like big long two and a half hour epic movies that are just catnip for our lads. To me, there's a reason I love these movies is that they're always brilliant visually. They look fantastic. They're so heavy on character and story, and they've got thrilling fucking action scenes more often than not they're just fantastically made the music's always great and there's a, a mood to them and they're always adventurous they're always adventure stories we have to get from here to here and they're always exciting and they're just not only nostalgic because obviously you know i'm a whore for nostalgia but they're they just are a level of excitement that movies don't really capture nowadays they're also patient again you look at guns and Avaron, that would probably be two hours now if it came over this is nearly three hours and there's a lot of slow atmosphere building and slow dialogue and really inventive clever dialogue whereas now it'll be just heavy on the action and over the top and crazy music and camera angles and it just there's a mood and an atmosphere to these movies usually pre-70s oh no i'd include the 70s actually because there are a lot of films that have come out in the 70s uh and even the 80s that are fucking great but i'd say the peak for all our movies is like mid 70s back to the 30s like that that's just that era you throw on a movie from like 1955 and you just know oh man this is gonna be good um i just love all those movies anyway so the fact that all of these a lot of these movies even if i haven't seen them are coming out on the Eureka label I thought I'm just going to pick up a fuckload of them so they might not be the first ones I mentioned here but I'm going to go back through a lot of them will be it's like directors like Billy Wilder I've got a few of his recently um, and I can't think of his fucking name now that's going to annoy me uh, but it's actually one of the best ones I will talk about in a minute but I don't know why I can't think of the fucking director's name he's done loads of them loads of the ones that I actually bought he's done I've John Milius in my head but it's not him um robert aldrich that's the one he has just once i see his name attached i am beyond sold he has done so many of the fucking owl ad films and even just looking ahead here someone like even 12 angry men that to me counts as an owl ad film good dialogue great characters just it's so specific if i was to just give you a stack of these movies to watch back to back you know exactly what i mean but it's hard to explain especially if you haven't grown up with it and I think people who are probably born post 2000 probably won't really understand it the same way 
Um, and then again, I could be wrong, but to me, that's just how it is. Because especially my mates, we all immediately know, oh yeah, a good Owlland film. A movie we fucking were six when it was on telly and we were watching it. Like, they're, they know what the fucking sus is with these things. And to me, they are some of the most enjoyable films you watch. And they're always just an immediate mark of quality in my eyes. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go through this list now. Of the insane fucking haul that I got. And like I said, I'm not going to talk about each movie. I'm just going to mention them. Uh, again, if you want me to actually do a fucking video where I talk about everything I fucking bought. By all means, let me know. Because I wouldn't mind doing it. And it would be a good way to actually talk about why I got certain editions. Or why it appealed to me or whatever else. Um, and why I got... Yeah, so yeah, if that's what you want to see, do let me know. But for starters, these are some of the Eureka ones I got. Masters of Cinema is usually the label. But I got uh, Billy Wilder's 1-2-3 with James Cagney, which I loved. And Stalag 17, which I haven't seen, but again, it's Billy Wilder, so I'm sold. Uh, Medium Cool was a movie that Robert Forster made in the late or the 60s, and it was his breakout movie, and he's already as cool as fucking can be, but that sounds savage. I mentioned The Revenant and Arrival. Bear in mind, I'm just scrolling back through my Instagram and all the posts I put up. There, there is a few I bought from the premium collection I haven't uploaded there yet, but I will. Um... Another Billy Wilder one, Ace in the Hole. Vengeance is Mine, which is like a two and a half hour Japanese revenge movie. is meant to be deadly, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, the Jacques Tati box set, which this chap was a huge fucking inspiration for David Lynch, so it definitely has me on board. But this is the more playful, fun side of David Lynch. Uh, it's, all, it's seven or eight French movies and a load of shorts, and they're all quirky and weird, and yeah, I'm on board. Uh, and here's where I'm going to go through a shitload of the premium collection stuff here because I got so much of it. Like, I think I, I think on average each week I'd be getting about 20 movies delivered to my house. So, oh, there's a lot here. Um, so, there's McCabe and Miss Miller, the Western Warren Beatty and Julie Christie. Bad Day of Black Rock, which is fucking amazing. Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Uh, Lost Horizon. Dark Passage, which is Humphrey Bogart, which is an immediate... He's a pure owlad. He is the probably the key owlad in fucking owlad cinema. Casablanca and fucking Key Largo and stuff, which Key Largo is one of them. And Casablanca. I got a 4K remastered Casablanca that comes with a big booklet and all sorts of stuff and loads of extras, so I'm on board for that. Um, oh, and just to piss off Joe, there is a, a cert issue with it as well because Casablanca is a universal film. It's rated U in the UK and G over here. But the box says 15 because an extra has the word fucking it. How fucking stupid is that? Um, so yeah, Dark Passage with Humphrey Bogart and To Have and Have Not with Humphrey Bogart. Both have Lauren Bacall in it as well. Uh, the Hidden, which is a really fun action sci-fi movie, which I think I'll enjoy more on a rewatch. Uh, Blow, the Johnny Depp movie. Uh, two Alfred Hitchcock ones, The Wrong Man with Henry Fonda, who's savage, and Suspicion with Cary Grant, who's also savage. Uh, Point Blank, which... I remember loving it. it was a Lee Marvin one and Lee Marvin's tougher than fucking nails uh, a Gettysburg director's cut which I haven't seen it but again I'm sold with the people involved and it's a four and a half hour fucking war movie so give me that um, oh that's the, yeah that's the other thing about these uh, yeah, that movies that they're they're always long and they're as I said adventurous so you're going to be getting like three and a half hour to four hour movies a lot of the time uh, Ice Station Zebra again another Elad film don't know much about it but I'm sold uh, Dr. Zhivago, another long one. I think that's about four hours as well. Also sold. Munich I've been meaning to watch again for years, so I'm glad to pick that up. Time After Time has Malcolm McDowell and Time Travel and Jack the Ripper, so gives that. Scarecrow I fucking loved. That had um, Gene Hackman and Al Pacino, and it's equal parts fun and delightful and horrible. Uh, My Own Private Idaho I've been meaning to see for years, and again, 
love Keanu Reeves and River Phoenix as well back before he died uh, The Haunting which is I'm thinking because every year when I do my 100 movies for October which is going to be a bit tougher this year um, I try start off on a classic I've not seen or that I've not fully seen so like the first year when I started trying to do this I watched The Omen because I'd only seen bits of The Omen my whole life then I got to see it properly in full and it loved it and then last year I started off with Black Christmas but I'm thinking of starting off with the haunting uh also got forbidden planet which uh, has a young leslie nielsen in it which i can't wait to watch good old-fashioned sci-fi as well there that's pure lad stuff too this is the b movie lad section uh and this is a double villa double bill i did recently of them the movie with the giant ants and the original thing movie the thing from another world and uh worked as a great double bill as recommended by joe and it's fucking really really solid uh then on to just normal films again now. So I got Return from Horror High and... Oh, fuck, I have to try to pronounce this now. Uh, Anthropophagus is how I think you say it. But it's Italian horror movie. I never saw but it was one of the video nasties. And uh, they're both gone for fucking three quid or something like that. So I couldn't say no. Uh, also, my friend Donal sent me out a copy of The Plague Dogs. Which is by the people who did Watership Down. He managed to get two sent to wax in. So I was lucky enough to have one sent to me. So thanks again, Donal. Uh, Possum which is one of the most unnerving horror films I've watched of the last decade which I'm fucking glad to finally get because that Blu-ray went out of print for a while and it just reappeared on Amazon so I snapped it up uh, Judgment at Nuremberg another solid owl ad film fucking over three hours great cast exactly what you want uh, I got very lucky when I went to a charity shop there and I got vinyl uh, for one euro which is the series Scorsese produced and he directed the first episode which is the best episode and while the series is a mess it's not near as good as it starts and i can see why they didn't get a second season of it it's actually quite entertaining as savage music and it's quite fun uh for a fucking quid i can't say no uh friend ed sorted me out with a copy of killer crocodile i know they brought that out uh on 88 films label with the two movies back to back but this is just the first one he had a spare copy of he said here you can have it and Looks like it'd be good trash to watch during Halloween. I'm saving pretty much all the horror movies I have now at the moment for October. Because I may as well. And I have so fucking many of a pile of Blu-rays sitting here in front of me. Some I don't know if I mentioned before. Um, I have The Sect, uh, Cemetery Man and The Church. Which are three Michelle Sovi movies. Um, which I think I, no, I might have mentioned them before. So I'm looking forward to getting through them. Uh, what else have I got? Oh yeah. So three Korean ones here, which I haven't seen, but again, all highly regarded. They're on Arrow's Academy label. Uh, Woman is the Future of Man, Tale of Cinema, and After the Storm. So I'm dying to watch all them. I got the original The Killers with Burt Lancaster and Ava Gardner, which I thought was fucking class. Uh, I also got the remake of that with Lee Marvin and John Cassavetes, which I saw years ago and I thought was savage. So nice to have two movies that take the same idea, the same basic short story of the killers and expand on it in their own way for both of them and it's a brilliant fucking way they've done that uh cemetery without crosses again gritty western from italy sold we are the flesh which is a a horror one that was very fucking controversial uh, which i will talk about for a minute because amazon initially pulled this movie because the whole movie has you know it says unsimulated sex but i'm pretty sure it's a fake dick but there's a lot of graphic sex in it and hinted incest and torture, murder, violence, all kinds of fucking mad shit. 
and for whatever reason there was just a lot of backlash about it and amazon pulled it but i think they might have put it back or it was taken off uh, a streaming service that arrow had through amazon and there was just some uproar so it obviously gave it a bit of a push but i managed to pick it up there and uh now it's widely hated i don't know why it, i thought it was quite good i didn't love it but it's, it's well worth a look uh the short films that come with it though fucking hell the most pretentious shit i've ever seen uh i also got the andromeda strain which is a sci-fi one i've been to see for a long time um and then even more of the the premium collection here so i got who's afraid of virginia wolf i've been to see for ages 1984 chinatown dolores claiborne the last picture show which is a director's cut as far as i know peter bogdanovich i like anyway so we can see what that's like the mission which i've been meaning to see for fucking years i've owned it on dvd twice and i fucking hadn't gotten around to watching it and i finally got that blu-ray and it looked mind-blowing and the movie's incredible so i definitely recommend that and this is something i wanted to talk about as well uh i've made clear many times i'm no fan of religion and modern religious movies are the cringiest shit ever it's just embarrassing to see a movie try to do that but for some reason religion when it's in an olden time is fascinating to watch and always endearing like it could be some movie like i watched silence which is about jesuit priests and actually this is about jesuit priests as well uh silence is tough viewing like it's gru- it's so grueling the way it goes on that and scorsese wanted to show that he wanted to show what these priests went through and this is in a time where in my head people obviously didn't really know better um which sounds condescending because um it is but it's a case of like when you're looking at people who are so strong in their faith is that this is all they know back then and it's always powerful to watch people this strong in their faith and it's always kind of the early scripture as well when it's not just like crazy fucking we won't make you a cake kind of fucking religion um so when i see that in a movie i'm always kind of fascinated by it and seeing it in this is like amazing to watch but if that had been set in modern day i'd be like oh would you fuck off um i also got 2010 the year we made contract which is a or made, made contact which is a type of sequel i suppose it is a sequel to 2001 a space odyssey and i've been meaning to watch it for a good while now so i really want to give that a look uh the maltese falcon more humphrey bogart can't go wrong uh, innocent blood which is a fucking brilliant john landis horror comedy which annoyingly had the same plot for an idea i came up with of vampires versus the mafia essentially and i fucking i just remember when i was watching it i'm loving this I was like shit i thought i thought i was original there but not john landis being the mind that he is beat me to the punch um what else lords of dogtown which is one that i fucking loved i i saw it years and years and years and years ago when i was really into skating and i quite enjoyed it and i didn't really remember it and then it went cheap on amazon for like a fire so i had to get that look and yeah absolutely all's up um this is a disappointing one actually is split second which is a rucker hauer action sci-fi horror that i watched four years ago i think and had a blast with it it just hit all the right nozzles like this was a lot of fun it's really corny over the top i remember being quite violent too and entertaining and i just thought man that hit the spot big time so i saw this savage special edition that came out from sec or from not second side what are they called 101 films and it's a beautiful set um bit lacking on the fucking inlay though but uh got it thought deadly i can't wait to watch this again shoot on and i was actually kind of extremely underwhelmed by it it just didn't land for me well at all and i was very disappointed by that because i had such a great time the first time and only a few years ago that the second time was a bit like oh 
I thought I thought this would be a lot better on a rewatch. And it's not a very good remaster too. It's a 4K one, but they didn't really clean it up. It still has a grungy, shitty feel, which some people like. I don't mind that if I'm at the cinema at a grindhouse, but when I'm watching it at home, I want the best representation of it. And unfortunately, this isn't it. But it is fun, but I, I, I am disappointed that it didn't hold up the way I had hoped. Uh, what else? More of the fucking premium label stuff here. So The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, again, pure outland cinema. Humphrey Bogart again, one that I have not seen either, which I cannot wait to fucking dive into. Might actually watch it today. Um, and Key Largo, which I fucking loved as well. More Humphrey Bogart. And um, Lauren Bacall as well. Marathon Man, which I gave a rewatch to and absolutely loved this time around. I thought it was quite good the first time. I think I had different expectations for it, but really liked it this time. Uh, Seven Days in May, amazing cast. Can't wait to watch that. River's Edge, a really fucking gritty, just ugly fucking movie from the 80s which was class with Keanu Reeves and a few others and Dennis Hopper's in it and a load of Slayer so like early fucking first album of Slayer music playing throughout it which is cool and Dennis Hopper's character is called Feck uh, Panic in Needle Park I've been meaning to see for years Al Pacino and Heroin uh, I finally I ordered a load of shit from uh, shit what's it called sorry for the clicks um, Well HD so I managed to get some American stuff so I got Candyman now I've told you about my insane fucking story of trying to actually get this version of Candyman because that cunt on adverts basically lied and said he sold his because he had it too cheap and then he, he uploaded it months later for a much higher price. Uh, which was the Arrow Limited Edition which includes the UK version of Candyman which is the proper more gory version. Uh, unfortunately that's not on the normal version I was raging but the American version of Candyman actually has both cuts so I sent off for that that's the Screen Factory one I'm glad that arrived and I also finally got the 2K remastered Dawn of the Dead remake from Zack Schneider the uncut version as well I adore that film and I can't wait to rewatch it this Halloween and annoyingly the fucking Savage Ultra 7 or 7 or 8 disc 4K hard box book version of fucking uh, the original Dawn of the Dead that second sight are doing which I've been waiting for for ages is now pushed to November and I was like oh yeah it's only a month wait but fuck I wanted to watch that in October and watch it around the Halloween time so it's not going to have the same effect but I'm delighted to finally have it and it's going to be savage Um, well it's a shitload of Arrow I actually did an Arrow haul where I got 20 or something movies on it Uh, so a lot of these would be more higher brow, for lack of a better word, for or a better description, in terms of what you'd normally get from Arrow. Um, a lot of these are on the Academy label and they're kind of the westerns and the old stuff. Uh, most of Arrow stuff's usually horror and stuff like that. And I do, I plan on getting a lot more of them soon because I know there's a 4K, I want to get Pitch Black because I love Pitch Black, crashes out or is coming out. And it's a David Cronenberg one that I've seen twice both times I've gotten something out of it but I'm not sure it just didn't fully grab me and I'm thinking like I I do want to give it another go and I'd love to see it properly represented in this 4k version and it's savage artwork and everything else but I'd hate to splash out on it and still not get anything from it so I really want to make sure I like it before I get it Uh, then again I could take the risk and sell it on I'm not 100% yet but there's something about that film like I remember the first time I watched it I didn't really get it I was too young for it I was like 13 then I watched it again about a decade ago and I liked it more but I was like ah, it's still not really grabbing me but there's something in there that in my head I'm enjoying so I want to give it another go in its best representation 
while I have the mindset I have now before it deteriorates from early onset fucking dementia from watching so many fucking films uh, there's also The King of New York which I adore and there's apparently a new 4k of that coming out so I will have to splash out on that uh, but anyway uh, some of the arrow ones I got here so an Italian Euro crime movie called Property is No Longer a Theft which just the artwork alone sold me a guy with a knife running away from a guy with an axe big time sold uh, and closely observed trains or as it's known as over here closely watched trains uh, as far as I know it's a fucking brilliant comedy so I want to give it a go um, what else The Far Country which is Jimmy Stewart big time sold pure owl lad viewing and uh, The Hired Hand which I, I did watch which is Henry Fonda and uh, what's his fucking name Warren Oates and I fucking really enjoyed it it's very very experimental and it was one of the movies that changed cinema because I've talked about before the whole Easy Rider's Raging Bulls thing and how Easy Rider was one of the the key movies to change what what cinema is and The Hired Hand is one of them it was like okay after the success of that we're going to give you money you do whatever the fuck you want and they did this and it was a big success and Scorsese's a big uh, supporter of this movie Um, Sisters is a Brian De Palma sort of horror I haven't watched yet the Big Knife was a really good drama. It's basically a play set in a house. I thought it was fucking fantastic. With Jack Palance. Uh, Texas Adios is Franco Nero on a spaghetti western. So I'm sold. Uh, I think it's the first Ingmar Bergman movie I've actually owned on Blu-ray. And that's The Serpent's Egg. Which is probably bordering on horror. But probably psychological existential stuff. But big time sold. Born Yesterday which I quite enjoyed as well. More of a drama though. It's quite dark. Um. And I know there was a remake with John Goodman, which has me sold, but apparently it's not great, so I'm a bit iffy. The Killers, as I mentioned. Uh, Cloven or Clown, which is a, a German comedy movie. And I remember when this came out because it was based on a series which had been compared to Kirby Enthusiasm. Um, and it's because like the whole show basically has a basic structure and they then improvise for the rest of it. So um, apparently it's fucking very, very crazy and over the top, so I'm sold on that. Uh, the Grand Duel, which is uh, Lee Van Cleef, so more spaghetti westerns, more grit. Mona Lisa, which is uh, one of Bob Hoskins I've ever seen years ago and I quite enjoyed, so I want to watch it uh, again the best in the best way possible. I think I watched the DVD. Uh, Terror on a Texas Town, which is a western, or I suppose a kind of western movie, but I think it's more a courtroom sort of thing. Tideland, which is a Terry Gilliam one, which I quite enjoyed, but I, I can see why people would be a bit weirded out by it. And this is kind of something that would tie in with um what's it called that netflix cuties one because there's a, a child in situations in this movie that are very uncomfortable but it, it it's works for the overall story so it could be a similar situation to that uh, there's also a french dramatic one which i haven't watched yet called montparnasse 19 and uh, i heard it's brilliant but the artwork alone had me fucking sold uh kansas city which is a robert altman one and again immediately sold uh the untamed which is a horror one that is by a mexican director i think and he made a movie called heli a few years ago which isn't great it is really unrelenting and brutal and just depressing um about like cartels and things like that and i just found it, i found it more dreary than anything else i understand why it's good it's just i thought it's just more dreary than anything but uh He's definitely someone to keep an eye out for. And this one, I don't know when I will ever fucking see the time for it, but I do want to see it. It's called The Sorrow and the Pity. And it's a four and a half hour documentary about survivors of the Holocaust. So that'll be tremendously fun viewing. Uh, 
more Owlad After Dark stuff here with the boys from Brazil and the Boston Strangler. I also got Birdman from Alcatraz as Burt Lancaster so sold. The Killing of a Chinese Bookie one of them in to rewatch as well because I watched the, the theatrical cut which was a massive mistake because there's about 20 minutes of fucking shite in it that uh, even the director was like yeah I shouldn't have put that in there and it kind of slowed the movie for me but apparently the director's cut's way better so I want to get that look because there was a lot I liked there. Um, Enemy Mine which is one I wanted to see as well because it has um, that's Sam Neill what's his fucking name uh, is it Sam Neill why can't I think of this fucker's name what's Sam Neill Dennis Quaid Jesus Christ I don't know why it has Sam Neill he kind of looks like Sam Neill uh, not really uh, If the one with Malcolm McDowell I've been to see for years ever since I saw Clockwork Orange Shane classic western as well pure Outland cinema that one is uh, Cocoon bit of sci-fi that I hadn't seen yet I do want to see Midnight Run, which is an absolute fucking comedy favourite of mine, uh, which also went to Netflix as well, so if you're eager to see it, definitely watch it there. I've been recommended to fucking everyone who's asked me what should I watch on Netflix. I'm like, well, that's there. Watch that. Uh, Strangled, which is a Hungarian crime thriller one, which I'm dying to watch. Uh, I'll be watching that in October. Candyman 2, uh, which I got as well, and I was delighted that, even though I didn't have the slipcover, it did come with the booklet and everything else, and it's uncut too, so I'm going to do uncut Candyman back-to-back double bill shit um what else we got here uh ganja and hess which i mean to see for a while i know spike lee remade it as the sweet blood of jesus and it looked fucking terrible but apparently this is deli uh seconds i've been to see for years john frankenheimer and as i i think i mentioned this earlier force 10 from navarone fucking hell i actually just want to briefly review this this is potentially the owlad film now while I might prefer the likes of fucking Kelly's here and like that, and there are better movies, this just represents everything about Owlad films that I love. Unbelievable cast. So some of them off the top are Robert Shaw, Harrison Ford, Edward Fox and Frank O'Neill. And Carl Weathers actually shows up as well. This is a sequel to the book version of The Guns in Avron. It does feature in the movie as well. So, But obviously Cary Grant's or is it Cary Grant? Fuck, my brain's gone to shit now. No, Gregory Peck. Um, as an American, he said, even though his character's meant to be English, he was like, eh, I'm just going to be American. So that character is the Robert Shaw character. And David Niven is basically played by Edward Fox now. And it's just, it's taking those characters, so you, you have to kind of lose, when you're watching it, don't go in going, I'm seeing Guns of Navarone too. You're seeing a different story with these characters, with their personalities. Uh, of how they were written in the book. And this movie is just pure World War II adventure fun. Laden with action. Great characters. Great one-liners. Great set pieces. It's just... Oh, man. I, I remember just watching it going, this is everything I love about Outland movies. And the showdown in the in the final act is just fucking top tier. I, I just, I'm excited to watch it again. It's that fun. I adored it. So, Force 10 from Navarone. I got a savage big special edition of it from... Uh, or not Eureka. What are they called? Indicator. And I think it's about 20 quid. You can get it for now. But it's a big hard box with a savage booklet. It has two cuts of the movies. Loads of extras on it as well. And it's just... Ah, oh, this is... This is Erlad Cinema at its finest. Uh, more Criterion. I got Bottle Rocket. The... What's his face? Why can't I think of his name? Wes Anderson. Uh, which on a rewatch I loved even more. Life Aquatic. Which I didn't think too much of the first time. 
but on a rewatch, I loved like I really loved it so I don't know what didn't click at me the first time uh, more out loud after dark here the chant of Jimmy Blacksmith which is a violent Aussie revenge movie from the 70s uh, King of Hearts which I, have, I don't know much about but I know it's a French comedy that was in the b- fucking charts for five years in America which is a lot uh, Marty which I really enjoyed Ernie Borgnine one Night of the Generals which is pure out loud cinema as well Twilight's Last Gleaming uh, Flight of the Phoenix the two of them are Robert Aldrich and they're both they have me so fucking sold uh, the Offence, which is a really gritty one, um, by Sidney LeMay with Sean Connery in it, really fucking good. Hard Times, which I adored. I think I talked about it when I was doing my uh, Charles Bronson special or not even Bronson Death Wish special. Uh, great Charles Bronson one with Walter Hill. Man of the West, another Western one, uh, and then a sort of seventies romantic drama one called Coming Home with John Voight, Jane Fonda, and Bruce Dern. So sold. I think that's set after war or Vietnam. Got a Ken Loach box set which included Riff Raff, Raining Stones and Ladybird, Ladybird. So some brutally fucking depressing kitchen sink drama coming my way. Uh, got a shitload of Jackie Chan stuff. So I got Dragons Forever which is class. Shinjuku Incident which I haven't watched yet but apparently it's some gritty modern day Jackie Chan stuff. With a, more of a serious edge rather than kind of action. Uh, and Heart of Dragon which I enjoyed but it wouldn't be one of my favourite Jackie Chan ones. But I'm glad to have a Savage Special Edition of it. Finally got the Sopranos box set, so I can't wait to fucking lash into that. This also shows how much shit I fucking bought the last while. <laughs> I'm going to be spending forever going through it. Uh, I got Special Edition Metropolis, which I wanted to see for years. I didn't realize how long it was. Uh, Wheels on Meals, which is one of the best Jackie Chan films I've ever seen. I only watched it recently. And Eureka released that. It's fucking incredible. Paper Moon, another Peter Bogdanovich one I've been to see. Lucky, which was... Kind of, I don't know if it was actually released as the last one but it, to me is the last Harry D- Dean Stanton movie and it's a perfect swan song for him uh, also it includes a documentary about him uh, I can't remember the name of it though but it's meant to be brilliant uh, Harakiri for me to see for years Nashville which is again it's Robert Altman and I fucking think there's like 30 main cast members in it like that are all it's like the way Friends is it's like 6 lead characters this is 30 um, Rushmore which upon rewatch incredible i've always loved that one and uh royal tenements which i haven't watched since i bought it but i'm delighted to finally have i'm basically building a collection of all the wes anderson on criterion and i'd like to get fantastic mr fox and moonrise kingdom i think they're only american so i'll have to try find them cheap uh geez more criterion the fisher king 12 angry men fail safe which again pure out loud cinema uh it's a mad 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 world or mad 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 world which is uh huge 70 mil cinescope crazy adventure movie that tarantino used as the inspiration for wanting to shoot on 70 mil for the hateful eight and i've been to see for ages so finally glad to have that nightmares which is a what do you call it a what's the word for fucking horror movie split up into parts (laughs) uh compilation anthology movie that's the one uh, horror anthology one so I'll be enjoying that during October uh, and The Boxer which uh, has Emily Watson and Danny DeLewis and Danny DeLewis actually became like professional level boxer just for the movie uh, I don't know if I mentioned these the last time but I will mention them again just in case but I got three, four serious box sets of French and Spanish uh, so I got a or I think I think Louis Bernal Spanish or Italian I don't know he's from some fucking somewhere but a Louis Bonnell box set, which has, I think, eight of his movies. And a Goddard box set, which has five or six of his movies. 
and uh, Jean-Pierre Melville box set which has a lot of his movies and I want to get the Louis Malle box set with 10 movies in it but it's always mad fucking money Um, I also got a, a Francois Truffaut box set which has uh, I think 8 movies in it as well only 20 quid Um, and that also or not that included but also I got Blue Collar which I fucking love Paul Schrader directed that one and it's unfortunately not the limited edition I didn't realise it wasn't going to be until I got it the Friends of Eddie Coyle, great gritty after dark Lad movie. The Driver, which is fucking amazing, inspired the movie Drive as well. Rumblefish, which I've wanted to rewatch for years now because I like everyone involved in it. I remember liking it years ago, but I wasn't expecting it to be as arty. Same kind of thing happened with Bronson. Uh, Take Shelter, which is fucking amazing. Michael Shannon's a hero. Cannibal Holocaust, which I finally now this is this is why I think I might have mentioned this on the last one, but I finally got the fucking uncut version of Cannibal Holocaust that I've been waiting for for years. Um. Phase 4, more sci-fi and related stuff. The Mercenary, which was fucking class. A good spaghetti western, which inspired Tarantino as well. Same with Navajo Joe. These are both Sergio Corbucci ones. Um, Operation Condor, which was a Jackie Chan favourite from years ago. And it definitely holds up. It's de- the way to watch it. Um, and I think this is the last... Yeah, so I mentioned Michelle Suave. The Fellini, uh, I got a 8.5. I watched that recently. I thought it was great and Tokyo Drifter so I think that's everything because I think I've gone as far back as Novacento and Serving in the Rainbow Cook the Thief and Wife and Lover so I think I've gone I've gone that far back although I do have if you bear with me because I bought a pile of the premium collection stuff that I didn't mention uh, oh, I did mention Casablanca of it, but I also got all the President's Men performance sex lies and videotape shaft and donnie brasco and i already have donnie brasco's an american blu-ray um which has the extended cut which is the reason i wanted it but this has basically more extras and it's a much nicer box set and i, I just wanted to get a fucking better of a version a better version of it for here um so now i'm just waiting on fucking two things i'm waiting for them to finally send me out the hunger and i'm waiting for them to actually i'm still waiting on 1917 dunkirk and the matrix but i'm also waiting on that dawn of the dead box set so they're all the main things i have coming to me at the moment i am considering ordering more shit there's always new shit popping up every day but i'm kind of less interested in a lot of stuff now the stuff that i might have got a while ago that i'm like eh, until they bring out a better version of it i'm not all that pushed um but yeah that's me fucking sorted for a long time and like i said that was me just rushing through the list and that took me what like fucking half an hour so if I was to do a video where I go through my entire collection talking about all these, it would be quite seriously long. But it'd be worth doing. I think I think it'd be fun to do because I'd like. I mean, obviously I like talking about movies. That's what I fucking do now. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna briefly, briefly just skim over some of the the new release stuff that I've watched. Um, because I've obviously seen a lot of movies since I fucking done this in the last six weeks six weeks and if you follow my letterbox you'll see all the reviews there uh i just don't know how long it's been so august so i would have talked about some of these oh that was the start of august so i suppose for new movies what did i see i watched Seven Thousand Five Hundred, which is a joseph gordon levitt movie that was made by amazon and released on amazon really fucking solid um basically set i'd say 99.9 percent of it set in a cockpit during a hijacking and it's how he deals with it and i thought it was just really fucking thrilling and smart and it's i'm always happy when a movie does what you tell it to in that 
you're watching it and someone's doing something you're like no no fucking do that because it's the most logical thing and then they try that and if it doesn't work fine but they've tried it and that's what this is like there's times where I'm looking at it going oh man if I was in this situation this is what i do but he tries that and it may or may not work and it's it's always satisfying right when that happens but I think it's at its strongest in the first hour the last half hour is still quite good but it's kind of the tension is really in the first hour very fucking solid though uh, I watched Host which seems to be do- fucking doing brilliant for everyone else but did nothing for me I didn't like it uh, much at all really it's and less than an hour it's made entirely through Zoom or something similar to Zoom um, and it's essentially six or seven people who are doing a seance online and things start going weird so it's set during the lockdown so it's very directly referencing coronavirus in lockdown it was made through that which I can give its credit to. I can credit the fact that they made something during lockdown. That is substantial. It's just that not a very good movie. It's, it's it was by the numbers possession fucking movie. With cheap shitty scares. And the only effective bit in the movie was a, not a mistake. But it's kind of played like a mistake. Like oh the camera fell. Um, so it could have been a lot better. Uh, I didn't hate it. I just didn't love it. Uh, so what else? Honey Boy. That was last year. I watched that though. It was very good. Uh, oh geez, yeah, there's two of these here which were a pile of shit. The Tax Collector, which is the latest David Ayer, and I've been saying this for ages. Like David Ayer, I don't know what the fuck does be going through his head, but the chap is so capable. He's one of the few people out there. He's like Michael Bay in the sense that he's doing hard or fucking really violent, all practical, gritty as fuck movies, but he's not a good writer, and he can direct fairly well when he wants to. A lot of the times here he doesn't, but. You can do action scenes, you can do all sorts, but it's his writing that shit. Like, if you saw End of Watch, which I don't rate very highly at all, I do want to revisit, but I, at the moment I don't rate it very highly. I remember thinking it was very poorly written. The dialogue is terrible. It's like he has the word fuck 600 times and goes, let's write a script around that. So everyone's just saying fuck for no reason. And I know I swear, like, I fucking say they're like there, but it's, it's, it's more natural than the way these people do it because they're just saying it for, they're just filling gaps in the words. It's fucking crap. Um, the tax collector for the first half hour is quite solid it's basically fucking these lads who go around all over la and are basically paid off being like yeah we run things here you pay us off you're fucking safe and the chap who goes with him is shia labeouf because shia labeouf's a lunatic and it's like if you cross us you have to deal with him and he's willing to fucking chop you up with fucking like saw chainsaws and shit like that he's a lunatic cartel madman um who for the movie got a gigantic chest tattoo of like his character's name is Creeper and he got this big savage tattoo which is on screen in the movie for maybe a frame and it's blurry and you can't even see it it's like that was a stupid fucking thing to do at least for Fury when he was like getting his tooth removed it kind of added to the performance there was no reason for that him to do that in this and it was just stupid um but the first half hour of that movie is like quite interesting it's solid I was like Jesus always getting such a bad rep and then this, the last hour of it is terrible absolutely terrible if if it hadn't had such a good first half hour it would have been one of the worst of the year it's it's a fucking disaster of a movie i appreciate that he goes balls to the wall when it comes to violence and kneecaps and all being power drilled and loads of practical gore and i'm like okay you're, you're really pushing boundaries here with r-rated stuff but the movie's not good you need a new writer you need david ayer directing a way better written script that's the only way he should be working really uh Follow that with Project Power, which I thought was fucking dire as well. Uh, one of the worst of the year. Um, 
absolutely no redeeming qualities whatsoever. Joseph Gordon-Levitt's in it and Jamie Foxx and it's set in this world where there's a new drug that's out that when you take it it gives you five minutes of superpowers and it's random. So not random all the time but random to you. So I could take it and turn invisible every time I take it or the other person could take it and they could fly every time they take it but it's only for five minutes at a time. And it's about Jamie Foxx and Joseph Gordon-Levitt and this teenage drug dealer all running around trying to find out the source of this drug and it's just one of the worst by the numbers terrible fucking action sort of sci-fi movies with nothing redeeming in it they think just having what's his fucking face Casey Neistat that it means like oh how fucking millennial is this movie like trying to show off like it's just bullshit terrible action terrible CGI no redeeming qualities whatsoever one of the worst of the year for sure um what else i'm only going to talk about the new ones because i have seen a lot of old shit as well um spree which i thought was fun is your man fucking john raffio twin from stranger things steve what's his fucking name that fucking actor anyway i don't remember his name but it's, it's him where he's a youtube streamer personality and he's kind of has no following and he wants to be noticed and he kind of reminds me of that elliot not Elliot Ness, Elliot fucking what's his name? The cunt who fucking uh, went mad and tried to kill a lot of girls. I think he shot like four girls or something or he ran them over and then he died in a car crash and he was like some Hollywood producer's son. But he he like he had this whole idea of like women should love me or whatever. I can't remember what it was. He's some fucking lunatic online. I can't remember his name. Elliot something. But he's a twat anyway, but he kinda reminded me of him. Where he just wants attention and he wants to be seen and he wants to be famous. So he goes on a killing spree which he's streaming live. And no one's really watching it and he's just trying to up the ante every time he does it. And it's kind of, it's fine. I think I thought it was very entertaining at the time. But the more I think of it, I'm like, yeah, it was okay. It's a very accurate, accurate look at modern internet culture and the mindset and how people behave. And I thought they did that stuff really well. And it is fun to watch. David Arquette plays his like deadbeat dad in it but as a movie overall it was okay it's entertaining it's worth a look but it's nothing worth rushing for uh, I watched Force of Nature which was so terrible I couldn't really believe it um, I had Emile Hirsch and Mel Gibson and the movie was immediately panned same as I said about that other thing with fucking Vince Vaughn immediately this is going to suffer because I think Emile Hirsch apparently like hit a girl years ago and it just became a thing now that you must hate Emile Hirsch. Same way Mel Gibson's stupidity from years ago. You, you must hate Mel Gibson. I was like, no, I think they're both good actors. So I'm going to watch and like whatever they're in. But this movie was just being called racist and all kinds of shit. And I thought, okay, so what they're telling me is that it's not racist. In the same way Dragged Across Concrete is not racist. And that's what just made me want to see it. But when I watched it, while it is indeed not racist, it is also not at all good. It is one of the shittiest fucking action movies I've seen. In a sti- like one of the weirdest ways they've connected the plot to have this like cartel guy arriving to this apartment block during a super fucking storm where the cops are trying to basically evacuate people and it all just collides in a big action set piece and it's it's a fucking disaster. It makes no sense. It's terribly written. Really incompetent filmmaking. That's what I don't like about it. It's not that it's just bad, it's incompetently made really terrible Mel Gibson's awful in it too he's usually fantastic he's dog shit he's trying this really shitty fucking Brooklyn New York accent it doesn't work at all Um, 
But what I noticed that was interesting is that Bruce Willis was initially going to play that role and Mel Gibson took over. Had Bruce Willis been in that, I would have known immediately, okay, this is straight-to-video shite that doesn't need any fucking viewership from me at all. But because I had Mel Gibson, I was I was under that spell. I said, oh, I want to see Mel Gibson. I like watching him. And uh, I wish I'd known better because it's fucking terrible and I don't recommend it. Um, so how many more new ones have I got to talk about? Or three. Alright, so... Or four, actually. So, I'll quickly talk about Escape from Pretoria, which is a true story based on this South African uh, activist who was put in jail for rebelling against apartheid, and he's played by Daniel Radcliffe. And it's essentially about his escape from this prison in the 70s, I think it was. And the thing is, right, the actual story is interesting. The escape, the, the tension built from him trying to escape is nerve-wracking it is so tense but the actual like, there's not much to the characters there's not much anything else going on it's, you're mostly just looking at the escape and it is very interesting and it is very tense but it's not more than that if you want something that's just going to have your arsehole tight in a drum definitely give that a look but otherwise you're not going to get too much from it um train to bus on two peninsula or no i actually can't call it train to bus on two it's like train to bus on presents peninsula it's just fucking dire absolutely dire even if i didn't have my love for the first movie in there because train to busan is fantastic even if i didn't have that this movie would still be irredeemably bad it is awful terrible probably the worst cgi i've seen years it might be the worst film i saw this year by the way uh because even though i hated the grudge i'd probably watch the grudge again before i watched that awful action scenes terrible writing it doesn't make any sense it loses the essence of what made the first one so good. The first one is about overcoming obstacles. So you're on a train full of zombies. When you when you get past one carriage, you had to you had to get by that by being really quiet because they can't see you. You have to sneak past them. Then on the next carriage, okay, there's two on this. How are we going to get by these? So every carriage they go through, there's a new obstacle and they have to try to figure a way out of it. They're always on their feet. In this, it is just run of the mill shitty zombie movie. Cheap. It reminded me of Doomsday. Which I hate. And I would watch Doomsday over this. Because at least Doomsday has good gore in it. And it's a marginally more fun. Even though it's fucking crap. This is just fucking. There's, there's no redeeming qualities whatsoever. And the last. And here's the thing. There's a lot of drama. There's a lot of melodrama when it comes to. Some of these movies. And there was a movie I watched at Hearthstone last year. Called The Pool. Dog shit movie. But. There's loads of melodrama in it that i'm pretty sure if you're from i think i can't remember the who it was from was it thai could be indonesian i can't remember but i'm sure if you're from those countries the melodrama would be really effective but it was not it was just it was shite and same with this like the train to bust has really good drama in it and you care about the characters whereas this tries to shoehorn in shitty drama all the time and it's just pathetic particularly in the final scene which i didn't believe my eyes i was watching i was looking at this guy is this really what's happening in this film? It is god awful. Fucking shit. Don't watch it. Um, what else? I talked about the binge, obviously. Um, uh, Tenet. Fucking hell. I don't know how I skipped Tenet. Uh, I still have to see it again before I can give my real full analysis on it. But overall, I actually fucking loved it. I thought it was great. A lot of people are perturbed by the first hour. They think it's it's annoying and it puts them off. And 
I mean, I partially understand that because the the structure of the, the first hour of that film is just so much important information launched at you very quickly, very subtly, and it's like fucking hell. It's, it's overwhelming. And obviously there's the sound mix as well, which annoyed a lot of people and annoyed me. I thought there was something wrong with the cinema when I was in there. I thought, fucking hell, they fucked this screen up. I should have saw it in town or in the IMAX or whatever. But it was actually intentional. It's it's because Nolan did this with um what's it called Interstellar as well. There's moments where the music's actually louder than what's being said, and it kind of worked in that in certain scenes. Because what they're saying is you've got the gist of it, and it's kind of like I know what they're saying. I don't exactly need to hear it. Whereas this is giving you important information, but also the music's too loud and the atmosphere's too loud, and it's kind of like you maybe should have actually had that dialogue more audible like to make it more important i get like you don't want to have the mystery runes straight away but fucking hell like you need you need to be able to hear what they're saying um but i loved it i think the first hour like even though i didn't know what was going on it's like i know i'm gonna figure it out it didn't put, piss me off because like it's part of the mystery you don't want the, you don't want to know the whole mystery in the first hour so this was really mysterious really inventive i love time travel or anything similar to it already and this movie goes beyond that it does something i hadn't seen before and it's just like Christopher Nolan's mind is one of the most creative fucking cinematic minds I've ever seen and he has the money to back up anything he wants to do if he's like I want to crash a full 747 plane they'll let him because he can do whatever the fuck he wants and that's, that's why I love his movies Um, is it flawed? for sure and I do want to watch it again because I'm pretty sure there's more I'll get from it but in terms of the scale of a blockbuster fucking movie to come out now and the, the level of action it is just jaw dropping and inspiring as far as I'm concerned and the inconsistencies do add up after a few days there's stuff I was like I'm not sure about but then it starts to make more sense and I just think that it, it is a movie that it's cheeky it forces you to have to see it a second time to really figure it out but I, th- I think it's extremely solid it's one of my favourites of the year definitely not my favourite for sure action scene wise it very well easily could be some of the stuff they do in it is unbelievable I don't even want to spoil it but fucking hell and yeah, I just, I just found it absolutely thrilling. So, Tenet would be very, very highly recommended for me. And I want to see the 70 mil print of it, because that would be at its best. Um, and, what other new stuff? Well, this is the last new one, other than uh, the beans which I talked about already. But, one that is possibly my second or third favourite of the year now, is I'm Thinking of Ending Things, which is the new Charlie Kaufman one, which he made for Netflix. And... I kind of less you say about this one the better so I'm going to leave it like that but be aware if you know Charlie Kaufman stuff if you've seen Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind or Anna Melissa or being John Malkovich you know you're going to see very odd shit that might not make a lot of sense and I listened to the audiobook afterwards which is by a guy named Ian Reid and the audiobook I thought was quite good but it's quite different it goes in a more like horror direction nearly whereas this is very Charlie Kaufman and it's basically about this couple who are on the way. It's, you're, you're listening to the thoughts of this woman who's thinking of breaking up with her boyfriend. And they're both on the way. It's actually Jesse Buckley and Jesse Plemons are the two leads. And they're both fucking brilliant. And um, they're on the way to dinner at Jesse Plemons' parents' house in, in a farmhouse. And it's just about the, the conversations and what's going on with them to and from that. And that's all I want to say about But... It's phenomenal. The acting's brilliant. The music is great. The look of it is so good, and there's such an unnerving atmosphere throughout it, which would would nearly push it towards the horror genre in my head. I just you're you're constantly unnerved by 
what you're seeing. Uh, but the more I think about it, the more I learn about it, the more I actually love it. And I just I think it's one of the best films of the year for sure. It's absolutely phenomenal, and it will be getting repeat viewings from me. And I'm looking forward to seeing it again. Uh, it's a long one though. It's about two hours fifteen minutes. So if you have the time for it, do fucking do watch it because I uh, thoroughly recommend it. But yeah, that's all the new shit I've seen. So I finally I've gone through all the fucking Blu-rays that I bought. I think. Um, although I probably left a few out as well, didn't I? Did I talk about Midsummer and fucking Gunfight the OK Corral and all that? I might have talked about it in the last time, but like I said, I got so fucking much the last while, and there there will be more. But for now, and I think I've made up for my fucking my time away because this is a longer one than I thought it would be. I was actually only going to do like under an hour, but almost uh, an hour and a half, or just over an hour and a half. So yeah, fucking there you go. So I am going to try. I do. I've been meaning to upload all the posters and stuff to the Cracked Real page on Facebook because I don't have Facebook at all other than Cracked Real. It's kind of I, I don't really find myself going to it and wanting to update it as much. I am going to. But like when I had Facebook on my phone, I'd always be on it and be like, oh yeah, I'll upload that now and whatever else. So I do need to set aside the time and actually do it. But everything I review and talk about is on Letterboxd and Instagram. So if you are interested, you can go there. And obviously this will be posted to Facebook for people to fucking find or whatever else. If they don't get the update on their phone or whatever, that it's, it's out. Um. So yeah, there, there will be more coming. And I've talked about this since day one. There will be guests. I know Joe finally got his microphone back, so we can't have him on it. Uh, but I do I, I I have no room in my bedroom so I need to fucking I need to get a laptop where I can actually go on the road and fucking just talk to guests because there's so many fucking people I want to talk to um, about movies and whatever the fuck else comedy music whatever the fuck so it will happen it's just a case of when um, and with a potential second lockdown on the way fuck knows when I'll get that chance but sure until then you can just watch a lot of the movies. I will hopefully have another one in the next week or two. I think at the very least I want to have this um, fortnightly. Because um, like before, like I said, I was able to do it once or twice a week or once a week at least. But it, it, it is hard enough to get around to that. So if I can at least at the minimum do it every two weeks, I'll be happy with that. But hopefully you'll get another one this weekend. We'll see. Uh, and I do have a lot of lists. So I, I lists are always things I enjoy talking about. Which is kind of why I wanted to do the YouTube for it. But... Fuck, I might just do another list talking shite on here about movies of the last decade that uh, were overlooked or... Although I did do that. You know what I mean. I'll find some shit to talk about because I've fucking loads. But until then, thank you for listening if you got this far. Um, it's good to be back. My throat's sore because I haven't done this much talking in a fucking long time. And uh, either that or I have fucking COVID, but hopefully not the latter. But until then, thanks for listening. You're all absolute steaming cons. Uh, goodbye.